Hey guys, this is Alex. You're about to listen to the message portion of our online service for April 19th, 2020. If you'd like to hear the entire online service, please go to our website, horizonphilly.com backslash messages, or you can see the service on our YouTube page, our Facebook page, or Instagram TV. Thanks so much. Hey guys, I love stories. I love a good story in a book or in a movie. There's something about a story that captures the human imagination. And stories find a way to sneak past our intellectual defenses and actually get right to our heart. Stories can make me care about people or ideas or situations that I never thought I would. Stories somehow bring a face to an issue and make things real. And Jesus used stories in his teachings. In between teaching about the kingdom, he would share these little short stories with everyday elements, and he would use these as a commentary on the way that he was living and loving. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus, and we're going to do it a little bit differently than most people usually go through them. I'm going to simulate several parables with a common theme into one story. I'm going to retell that combined parable story to you, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, something in the story that I think uh, can apply to us today. And then finally, we're going to discuss it together. So let's get started. Let me tell you a story. Once, a long time ago, there was a shepherd, and he had a flock of 100 sheep. He was a very good shepherd, and every day he would take his sheep out of the sheep pen to a large grassy place where they could lie down and be safe and they could feed. He always found a place next to still waters so that they could drink and be safe and be comfortable. Each day, as he took them out to the field, he would count them to make sure that he had all 100 sheep. And each night as he took them back to the sheep pen, he would count them to make sure that he had all 100 sheep. One day, after making the journey from the pen to the field, he realized he only had 99 sheep once he counted. He counted again to be sure, and there were only 99. He was missing one. So he asked some of his hired hands, do you know where one of our sheep went? We seem to be missing one. And one of the hired hands spoke up and said, Oh, yes, I know which one. I saw him wandering off a while ago while we were on our way to the field. But don't worry about him. He's the runt. He's the smallest sheep. We never get any wool from him. He's a troublemaker. He's a problem. He falls into pits. He wanders off all the time. The flock is going to be better without that troublemaking, wayward sheep. The shepherd left at once to go and find the lost sheep. And as he was gone looking for the sheep, the day progressed longer and longer until evening came and the hired hands um, said we might as well take the flock back to the pen because the shepherd hasn't returned. So they gathered the sheep and drove them back towards the sheep pen and they put them into the pen and as darkness fell and the hired hands were in the sheep pen with the sheep they began to hear in the distance the cry of wolves oh, circling around the pen. 
and the howls were coming closer and closer and the sheep were getting frantic inside the pen and the hired hands were getting frantic. And as they went to the doorway to look out, they saw all these yellow eyes in the darkness. And the hired hands began to talk to each other. They said, these aren't our sheep. Why should we die protecting sheep that don't even belong to us? We don't care about these sheep. We don't love these sheep. This is just a job. And so the hired hands ran to the door and they fled from the wolves. At this point, the snarling, howling wolves had approached the very doorway to the sheep pen and they were looking in and the sheep were all huddled against the far wall as far away from the entrance as they could as the growling wolves began to pad into the sheep pen. Just at that moment, the good shepherd returned and with staff in his hand, he struck the wolves on the head and on the paw and drove them away. And on his shoulders was the lost wandering sheep. Quickly, he went to his neighbors, and even though it was late at night, he beat on their door and woke them up, and he said, Come, rejoice with me. My missing sheep has been found. My flock is full and complete again. And so his neighbors came, and they drank wine, and they sang, and they danced, and they laughed, and the sheep bleated with joy as they danced around in the sheep pen. A few days later, when the shepherd was taking his sheep out to pasture, the hired hands, feeling quite frustrated that they had been fired after behaving so poorly, um, drove a pack of wild goats into the area where the sheep were grazing. Now, the shepherd watched this happen and was not alarmed. The hired hands, thinking that they were going to maybe steal some of his sheep in the confusion, when at the end of the day, he called them to come back to the sheep pen. But when the evening began to fall, the shepherd walked to the right side of the field and he called his sheep. He said, here, come, come to me. It's time to go home. And all his sheep knew his voice because he was the voice who um, bound up their injuries and fed them when they were hungry. He was the voice that looked for them when they were lost. They knew his voice. And so they all ran to him and all 100 sheep came safely home to the sheep pen. So now I want to dig in a little bit deeper into one of these aspects and one of these stories that Jesus told about sheep. And I really want to focus on this idea of Jesus's voice and the sheep knowing the voice of their shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, it says, Truly I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. I don't know if you've ever studied any of the science behind human vocal cords or looked at the biology of it, but it's quite fascinating. They say that no human being who has ever lived or whoever will live will have exactly identical voice signatures. We all have a unique voice. Now that's fascinating to me. And they say that this is partially because of the way that human vocal cords are formed. No one has the exact same shape. But they also say it's because of where you're raised and how you learn to talk and how you form words and how you're taught to form words that everybody's voice is a little bit different. Sometimes people's voices sound similar, but there, there are unique signatures to your voice that no one else will ever have. 
So when this parable, when this story is talking about the voice of the shepherd, the voice of Jesus, is it saying that we need to recognize his unique cadence and voice signature? No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about knowing him so well that we recognize the things that he would talk about and the things that he wouldn't talk about, the things he would say and the things he wouldn't say. Darby has spent so much time with me and knows me so well that even if I talk through some type of voice modulator, uh, she would know it's me because of the things I talk about, the things I obsess about, the things I fixate on, the weird way that I phrase sentences and words. She, you know, she could just look and if I'm waving my arms around, she'd know it's me, right? But she can recognize me because she knows me well. And I think this passage is talking about the sheep know the shepherd so well that they recognize when it's him and when it's not. And I started thinking about this in my own life. Do I know the voice of Jesus so well that if he goes on ahead of me and he calls me to follow him, that I know and recognize his voice and I can tell the difference between his voice, my own ideas, and some outside voices? See, there's sometimes when I have a good idea and I pass it off as a God idea. There's sometimes when I hear somebody else doing something or I hear somebody else say something and I think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I'll do that. But it's not the voice of Jesus. And so I think sometimes we can get confused and sometimes we can't always tell the difference between is that an 11 p.m. pizza I had talking to me or is that Jesus talking to me? So how do we get to know the voice of Jesus? How do we recognize what he's saying, what he would say and what he wouldn't? I think there's four simple things that we can do to really learn the voice of Jesus, to get to know him so well that we know what he would talk about and how he would talk about things. The first is I think every day we need to read from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell these firsthand accounts of Jesus's life and death and resurrection. By reading them, we can learn about what Jesus said and what he didn't say, how he asked questions, how he spoke to people, it lets us learn a lot about who Jesus is and what he's like. The second thing I think we need to do is take time to ask Jesus to reveal himself to us. Now, this usually looks like meditation and prayer where we stop and we say, Jesus, show yourself to me. Let me learn about who you are. I want to know your voice. And then next, it's actually stopping in silence and solitude to listen for his voice. So many times I read something in the Gospels and say, okay, this is what Jesus is like. And then I say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to know your voice. And then I get busy with a podcast, uh, headphones in and listening to a podcast as I do dishes and do laundry. And as I work on something else, what I found is Jesus rarely speaks when we're multitasking. He seems to speak when we stop and listen and sit quietly and patiently and wait on him. I think a lot of us don't know the voice of Jesus because we never sit still long enough to hear from him. And so right now, I, I want to encourage you, take advantage of this quarantine. Take advantage of this time when we're forced to sit still. We're forced to stay in one place. And instead of running from silence and solitude, recognize that these are spiritual disciplines that Jesus practiced. He would go away to a quiet place and sit and pray and listen to his Father. 
Right now, I'm feeling um, low-grade anxiety. I can't even put my finger on it. It's just as we're quarantined and we're stuck at home, I feel this low-grade anxiety. And what I've found myself doing is I constantly have to keep noise on, whether it's a video game or whether it's a movie or whether it's music or a podcast. Like, I don't want to sit in the quiet. And I try not to stay still because if I do that, I'm going to come have to come to terms with this pain and anxiety that I'm feeling during this time. I'm a millennial and we've perfected the system of entertaining our pain away. We, we use entertainment as a medication to avoid our pain. But if we're constantly running from silence and solitude, which forces us to deal with and face our pain, that means we'll never walk through our pain and encounter a real world God that we can know and love. If we keep running from reality, the side effect is we're going to keep running from a real encounter with the voice of God. And finally, I think we need community to teach us the voice of Jesus. And that's one of the beautiful things about the church. The church exists so that as a community, we can learn to live and love like Jesus together. There's things that you're experiencing as you try to become a student of the way Jesus lived and loved that I haven't experienced. Now, there's this great quote I love that says, in the company of Jesus, we're all beginners. We're all getting started trying to figure out how to live and love like Jesus. But there's things that you're learning that I need to learn from you. And there's things that I'm learning that you might need to learn from me. And that's the beauty of a community coming together and learning from each other and saying, here's what I'm learning about the voice of Jesus. Here's what I'm learning about how he speaks in my life. Here's what I'm learning about what he says and what he wants us to do. Now, I think some practical application of this is as we learn the voice of Jesus, it begins to affect the way that we speak. It begins to affect the way that we pray, and it begins to affect the way that we live. See, if we're going to become students of Jesus's way of life, we need to recognize his voice so we can follow in his footsteps. If we don't know his voice, we'll often find ourselves floundering around looking about like, what does this actually mean to practically live and love like Jesus? What does he really want us to do? And I think sometimes we'll dumb it down to something like, well, just be nice to people, right? He wants so much more than us to simply be nice to people. But if we don't know his voice, we don't know his teachings, we don't know his patterns of life and behavior, we don't recognize his tone and inflection, then we'll be lost when it comes to what it practically, practically means to live and love like him every day. Now, as we come to the end, a parable was never intended to be a monologue. Parables were spoken in order to cause discussion. Um, a parable that doesn't lead to a dialogue is an incomplete parable. <clears throat> As Jesus told parables, people would ask questions in the crowd. His disciples would ask questions. People would have all these questions as a result of what he said, of the story he told. And so I want to create some type of avenue for us to have that same discussion. I know we're not meeting together, but I've added a comment section onto our website right below our messages. So if you go to horizonphilly.com backslash messages, at the bottom of the page is a new comment section. You can leave anonymous comments. You can leave um, your name and information as you leave a comment. But I want us to have a discussion about this parable. And I'm going to give you some sample questions. You could come up with another question, but I'd like you to pick one of these questions or your own question. Type out the question with your answer on the comment section. One, what is something that you found encouraging about this story? Could be something I said, something that was in the passage, something in the story that I told that combined these parables together. Do you identify with someone in the story? 
Maybe you say, oh, I'm so much like that lost wandering sheep. Or maybe you say, you know what? Honestly, I'm more like the hired hand who ran away from the wolves. Who do you identify with in the story? Is there something in this story that reveals to you what Jesus is like? Maybe there's some aspect of the story that you say, oh, this just captures for me such a beautiful picture of what Jesus was about. Remember, the parables are a commentary on who Jesus is and what he's doing. And so when he's telling these stories, he's talking to the religious leaders and he's saying, the people are like sheep. You're supposed to be my hired hands, but you're more like thieves. I'm actually a shepherd who cares about his flock, and I'm willing to put my life on the line to protect the flock. I hope you found this encouraging and inspiring, and I hope together we all learn to listen for the voice of our shepherd.